Good afternoon. Welcome to the latest edition of Lunchtime Learning. I'm delighted to be joined today by Holly. Holly is a leadership development trainer. as her own business called Holly Clare. Uh, it's most probably as original as Stephen J. Brown Consultancy, um, but I'm sure Claire must be a middle name or maiden name or got that totally wrong. <laughs> no, you're quite safe. You you were right the first time. It's it's a, a mid a mid middle name, so I went for easy. I went for easy. Save all the inspiration and hard work for other parts of the business. <laughs> so, how did you become a leadership development trainer then? Well, I don't think anybody goes through their career pathway at school and says, "I want to go into a state agency." Then I want to train and develop all the managers. I don't think there's a career path written for that. So I fell into a state agency. Um, my mum um, was land buyer for Stanford Homes, now part of Galliford Tri, went on to be um, the land director at Annington. Um, and it was a case of if you can't beat them, join them. My weekend job was always wandering around with tape measures or going to get comps from estate agents or manning show homes because nobody turned up. Um, and it, it went from there, really. Uh, I went through, got a little bit involved in regional management and very quickly realised that management isn't actually about telling people what to do or indeed how to do it. Um, it's about getting the best out of people, getting them to be better estate agents, better negotiators, better line managers. And um, so a huge, huge part of that is still training and development so that's how it came across and i've been in training and development probably now the best part of 15 20 years um an estate agency for over 30 so yes i am that old no you're not don't believe it <laughs> i started no. very young working that's... for your mum you have to start young i can't believe she got you out working at three years old unbelievable your mum shocking behavior she'll she'll listen to this i'm sure and go oh yes 100%. <laughs> so um just starting on the course of agency and working at weekends and working at show homes what were the lessons that you picked up that actually you've um used used to your good and helped to help other people over the years um it was very interesting being a woman in a state agency back then um even though it wasn't actually that long ago and um, my mum taught me some some good lessons on that so stand your ground be professional um that's become the agent of choice has always been a mantra that sat in in my head and i now like to be the trainer of choice because if people want to do business with you then it solves so much of the relationship issue if you've cornered them to do business with you, you've got a reluctant customer straight from the beginning and you're on the back foot. But if they're hungry and they want to work with you, it makes such a huge, huge difference. So when I'd go out and meet people or people would come into branches or I'd be learning how to manage people, the, the big deal was is, is that they wanted to be there. How much more productive are we as human beings if we want to do something? It makes right. a massive, I heard the whistling in the background. There's whistling, there's dogs, there's everything. <laughs> Your house sounds like mine. I, I have two large four-legged secretaries. They they might come in in about a quarter of an hour from the dog walkers. So I'm sure they'll be keen to join us. That's um, right. so I think that, that was <laughs> the biggest thing. <laughs> mine's dinner time soon, so yeah. That's all right then. And um, I think it makes such a huge difference 
the the wanting to be there. Look after the people that work for you to the extent that they want to work for you. They're not there because they have to work for you. And it's the same principle with customers. And I think I learned that very early on. Well, before I was an estate agent, I was an air hostess for a couple of years. And when you're hauled up in a tube of steel for five, six hours with your customers, you kind of learn to have to get on with them. So there was so, some learning there too. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there was. Um, you talked about becoming an agent of choice, um, becoming the trainer of choice. Um, what tips would you give to estate agents to become that agent of choice? I think mindset is is absolutely huge. Um, I, I commute quite a long way to, to various clients now, so it gives me quite a lot of thinking time in the car. Um, and by the time I walk through the door to that customer, I've, I've got my mindset right. I might have listened to um, a podcast from somebody that works there. Um, I've done a, a little bit of research into a particular management style that I'm going to look into there. But I make sure that I'm on the front foot. And I think behaviour breeds behaviour. So, again, when you arrive and they say, how are you? How exciting is it if you say, I'm really good. So you're already sharing your enthusiasm. I'm having a good day. And the impact just that alone has, just your mindset, your determination to be there and set the scene, um, I think makes a huge, you can never escape first impressions, can you? 100% couldn't agree more. How do agents then get that growth mindset? I mean, there's a fantastic book by Carol Dreck on um, growth mindset um and there are a lot of agents that are and it's really interesting i'm i'm out house hunting not for myself but for my girlfriend and um agents attitude it's like we know it all um we don't need to be told anything um i've had one agent that literally we called and they said why are you calling us i said well because we've seen your property on zoopla and right mo well, that's where they're only going to go. We're not going to take your details. Um, just keep on looking on that. The one you inquired about is gone. Didn't take telephone contact. Didn't take anything, name, number. And you and this is for most established agent in this area. And you're thinking, really? And yeah, I don't understand. I'm looking at it now from a public. No wonder estate agents have a really, really bad name. And I know. There's some loads of exceptional estate agents out there that do a fantastic jobs for their clients and for community work. But I think I've got a real bee in my bonnet now from um, everything that I've I've seen in the last week or so. It is scary. It, it's 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 more than scary. I think there's a lot of estate agents out there that don't actually want to be estate agents. And that goes back to the mindset piece. And um, you've you've got to, I believe drop the ego sales isn't it used to be a place for egos I don't think it is anymore I think it's it's turned on its head I think vulnerability now is the superpower rather than the ego and and being able to stand up there and give the big I am um I think the vulnerability side there are so many salespeople out there that are absolutely terrified of saying I got something wrong today now 
I don't know about you, Stephen, but I dread the day, absolutely dread the day I come home and I say to my partner, I got nothing wrong today because that means I've peaked. That's it. That's as good as I'm ever going to get. We're terrified of reflecting back. So take a, a, a valuer that comes back in for evaluation that they've lost. Um, and there's either whether we want to call it a piece of reflection or the real miserable sods out there, call it a bit of a post-mortem. Why didn't you get it? Naturally, they'll feel cornered. They'll feel under pressure by their line manager. So what I find fascinating is how, is how the brain works. As soon as you put that estate agent under pressure, they'll go to the flight part of the brain. All the blood will go to the back of the brain, which is the fight or flight bit. And you won't get a straight answer. If you can ask the people that you work with in a good, safe, reflective, vulnerable way, you didn't get that instruction today. Let's sit down and work out how and why you didn't get the instruction and see what we can do about it. So they'll, they might come to you if they're comfortable to do so and go, do you know what? I don't think he liked me. I just, I just didn't get it right. I didn't build enough rapport. Um, we just didn't get on at all. Well, then maybe you're not the right person in the office to be dealing with that customer. And if you hear the heavy panting in the background, it is my two four-legged secretaries, nothing else, I assure you. But it's, I think it makes a, a, a big, big difference if you're able to be vulnerable. And the same to your customers. So what do we like with fall-through calls? You get a fall-through in the morning. We don't eat the frog and make the phone call straight away. We put it off because we say we're too busy. Because we've got to admit to somebody that something's gone wrong and we're terrified of doing that. That it gets to the afternoon and the customer rings up and you're even more on the back foot because you're having to give the customer bad news and the customer's had to chase you for the bad news. How much. Going forwards. And having the confidence to put yourself in that vulnerable position, I, I think grows businesses. I really do. So why do you think people, or how do you think people can improve on being reflective? And how do you think people can start eating more frogs? <laughs> well, there's where. How self-aware are you? And most people will tell you that they believe that they are very self-aware. Have you had conversations like this? People, yeah, I, I know I do that. The self-awareness piece is massively important, but it's not nearly as important as the self-management piece. You can be self-aware. You can get all of that bit right. But if you don't do anything different or choose different behavior, then you're not going to make that difference you're not going to make that impact so it's choosing to be vulnerable frogs don't come and eat you they're tiny little green ugly things you have to make the choice to go and eat the frog and i have a whiteboard in front of my screen here because i'm really good at, at having a day <laughs> i think you and i spoke after i'd had one of these days where my day turns into a game of whack-a-mole where I don't actually go forward in any way. I'm literally just sat there playing whack-a-mole all day. What have I achieved? Nothing. 
Um, I have to choose, right, what jobs am I going to get out of the way? What difficult customers am I going to deal with now, especially while I've got a good mindset on, while my brain's on it? That's the time to speak to the customers that are going to be difficult, not last thing in the day when you put it off for four hours. They're cheesed off and you're cheesed off then. That's not going to be good conversations. So I think, you know, you're asking for, for hints and tips to agents out there. First of all, make sure you're in a position and an environment that you actually want to be in. You've got to want to be there. If you don't want to be there, then you need to look to your line managers, to your environment, to your market and think, right, what, what can I influence? What can't I influence? Look at what you can influence. Go out and eat some frogs. And if you've got lots of frogs to eat, just make sure you pick the ugliest, nastiest, fattest one first. So it's your choices within your scope of, of control and influence. Um, and then be, be honest. Uh, you'll, you'll get so much further if you're actually you. COVID has, has taught us, I think, one massive, massive lesson. Even though communication sped up, we do things like this um, via um, e-learning, all those extra bits that have all come into play and virtual tours and all the tech that's come into play. Even though that's ramped up to quite a high speed level now, what COVID has taught us is even the big, biggest introverts out there need people. And people. that vulnerability we need that honesty yes yeah god there's so much you've covered there that i want to ask you <laughs> it's, i get excited about it no and i can i can see your passion still after all those years um, no. <laughs> the hair dies good it covers up all the gray <laughs> so um i like the word you said about choice we all have choices to make um, you know, yeah. how we get up on the morning, the right side of a bed, the wrong side of a bed, whatever it is, um, whether to eat that frog early or never to eat that frog at all and make it a lot, a lot harder. How can people actually improve their self-awareness, their mindset um, so that they are waking up the right I side of a bed, that they're happy to make those calls? It's... It, it first of all, you've got to realise that a huge part of it is your choice. So, um, and I, I often mention this, um, when you get up in the morning, I, I always try and remember to make my bed because at the end of the day, at least I've achieved something. And there's various books that, that cover that, that line. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story, a true story that happened to me this morning. And I reflected on it and I thought, Okay, Holly, it's time you took a bit of your own advice. I say the problem when you get into L&D and development, you're great at supporting and helping others, but you're a bit pants when it comes to sorting, to eating your own frogs. You're great at helping other people overcome that. But when it comes to you, it, it becomes a whole lot harder. So um, I got up this morning, I looked at the weather forecast and I had some early morning calls to make. So I got on and I ate the frogs. Um, and that was absolutely fine. And I was going at such a pace that I wasn't thinking before I was doing things. And I went out for a run before the winds kicked in. Um, and I live on an Air Force base. Um, so I would normally take my pass and I'd run up on the airfield. 
and that didn't happen today because I took the wrong pass. I took the path that I had with me from the clients that I've been with, a business I've been working with this week. So it felt pretty silly. Um, it was too stubborn to turn around and come back and get the right pass. Does anybody else get like that? I know I do. Yes. Where you, you, you make a mistake and you couldn't possibly do the sensible thing and go back and get the right bit because you're in it now. Um, but I thought you've, you've got to just stop and think before you do things. We shoot from the hip. The, I, I like Steve Peters' book, The, the Chimp Paradox. Um, the, the chimp side of our head, the emotional side of our head. We make way too many decisions while even the chimp hasn't had a chance to compute it, let alone getting across to the human part of the brain, which might give you a sensible answer. So I didn't look when I grabbed a pass. I just grabbed a pass. If I'd have taken half a second to look, I'd have grabbed the right pass. If you take half a second extra before you answer every phone call, to choose your attitude, then you might choose a better one. Uh, I've been doing some, some work and some research with the marginal gains piece, and I know some of you all snore and think how boring. Um, it's been around for years and years. Let's hear something new. Um, well, neuroscience isn't new. The, the brain evolves. Some of the basics are all still there. If you can take the really small decisions, like pulling the duvet back over the bed, picking up the right pass, smiling before you pick up the phone, making that phone call before you make that phone call. Those little tiny weeny decisions can be half of 1% better. Then you aggregate those marginal gains and you've got that growth mindset. There's no one big magic wand that goes out there that will, will change everybody's businesses. It's the little tiny, tiny, tiny pieces that will make the big, big difference. Um, Adrian Webster Polar Bear Pirates taught me years and years ago about TNTs, tiny noticeable things. And that's where the difference is. That's where the growth is. It's in the tiny weeny bits. It's not in the big game changes. Couldn't agree more. So you've delivered loads of training. Mm-hmm. Those are great leaders. Mm -hmm. What does a great leader look like? I think the, the great leaders that I've worked with um, have always, always shown an element of vulnerability. And even if you look at great leaders out there in the world, I mean, take like him or loathe him. Take Richard Branson, how many attempts did he have to get the balloon around the world and it all went horribly wrong? And he said, yeah, we made mistakes, but you know what? We're going to go and we're going to get them right next time. If you look at all the big entrepreneurs out there, they've all got this little bit. Yeah, you're right. But you know, that didn't work. That was a big mistake we made in our business and we've learned from it. And what we're going to do differently now is, and they usually say it with a smile on their face, because they it's almost like they celebrate the mistakes because if you know the mistake you've made then you have a choice to make it or do it differently next time round so that vulnerability is always there um and there's always a little twinkle in their eye i don't know whether you notice that stephen but there's always that little extra drive 
that little extra love. They want to be there. Real great leaders, when they walk into my classroom or dial into a webinar, um, are hungry to learn. They're not just ticking a CPD box. They're hungry to hear different people's views. They're hungry to be reminded of something that they might have learned 10 years ago. And it worked really well 10 years ago, so they stopped doing it. Then they'll bring it back to the table now. So a hint of vulnerability, a twinkle in their eye, and, and a bit of excitement. They want to be there. They want to be there. And, and I'm going to swear now, they've got to give a shit about the people they're leading. They really do. Because if you really care about the people you're leading, they will work so much harder for you. Their productivity will go through the roof because they, in turn, will want to be there. OK, how do you build up that culture, that team for them to be there? The real small things. Think about the things that that have made you smile today and have made you want to be where you are today. So one of the things that's made me smile and makes me want to be where I am today is, yes, OK, I'm, I'm at home, but I've got a coffee machine here. Good coffee. Good coffee is one of those little tiny little things. If I'm going to a client that's serving good coffee, I'm even more excited to be there. It's the little tiny things that show you care. Remembering their birthdays. And then productivity, the impact that has is huge people will ring in sick not just because they're poorly but because they don't want to be there so they're not going to battle through and take an aspirin and, and deal with whatever's going through to to be somewhere they don't want to be but we've all taken an aspirin to go and do something that we want to go and do but we don't take an aspirin and, and do that side for things we that we really in environments we really don't want to be in so it's not the big game changes, it's the little tiny things. How many leaders out there have bumped a one-to-one -one with a direct report? So many people will have done that. Well, how does that make the direct report feel? They might not have wanted the one-to-one -one in the first place, but they'll have psyched themselves up to it and you bump it last minute, they're gonna be a wee bit cheesed off. Their productivity will fall through the floor for hours. When they should have been on that one-to-one, -one, you're not getting any work out of them. If, if you're lucky, they're going through their emails and just doing some filing because they don't they don't feel valued. We're really good as, as leaders as well at looking after the poor performers and then we neglect our really good guys. And it's the same in families and, and, and friendships. You know, we're all there for the needy ones, but actually the real strength are the possibly the quieter ones, the ones that aren't as needy? Well, actually, they do need your support. They do. They do need the right coffee. You know, if they if they want coconut milk, go and get them coconut milk. It's the little tiny things. The working environment is is so so important, and that's where you first start with these little tiny things. And as soon as people want to be there, they see your vulnerability. They're motivated to want to work with you. You you've got the perfect ingredients for growth because you're all pulling the same direction so how do you get the right people in the right seats of the bus 
<laughs> same, same principles. It's the honest and, and the vulnerability. If you run a psychologically safe environment, then they'll be able to tell you some of the challenges. Um, getting the right people on the bus. Sometimes accept you've got the wrong people. We've all made the wrong hire. Um, and, and, and don't kick them because you made the mistake. They didn't make the mistake. You made the mistake by choosing them. It's not their fault. So don't have a go at them. Move on. Um, the attraction piece. It's funny how behavior be, breeds behavior. Success breeds success. Once words out there that, that you buy the right coffee, people will start to want to work for you who aren't working for you. Um, have a good subs bench. Uh, you know how you, you started a, a bit of this call, Stephen, by saying you ring up the estate agent and they say, you know, what, what, what do you ring me for? No, well, you can get that off the line on online. What, what, what are you ringing to speak to a person for? When people approach you for jobs in that slightly rarer occasion than it used to be, talk to them. Find out what makes them tick. And if they're any good, get them on your subs bench. So when you are in the lurch or you are growing, it's not, oh, crikey, where do I start looking? You've already got three or four people tied up. You're building a pipeline the same as you would in, 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 in your offices. 100% couldn't agree more. You and there's so much more. <laughs> so well, with Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, is exceptional. It is, and um, it's up on my bookshelf there. Um, the, the, the other one I've read recently is The Speed of Trust, an older one. Um, how we, we've got too fanatical about too much detail rather than just getting on with things. And actually, one of the first things you said to me just off um, before we came on, you talked about keeping stuff simple. Simple is the word. So how as leaders can they keep stuff as simple as possible? Collaborate. News flash. You don't all know everything. Collaborate and, and ask. The simplest solutions are the hardest to find. You ask an engineer. And an engineer will give you an answer to anything. But finding that simple, clean solution is the hardest bit to do. Um, and there's so many different hints and tips that could come into play there. Let's go back to one that we already talked about, the scope of control and influence. Um, go, go through what your plans are and think, well, are they actually going to have an influence or make a difference? And you may well find, and we're really good at this again as estate agents, boy, do we like to go through some paperwork. Are all those boxes absolutely necessary? Are they going to make a difference going forwards? And if they're not going to make a difference going forwards, be that keep you out of jail or help drive your business with the customer, get rid of them. If they're there because they've been there since 1980, well, maybe we need to move on from that. We don't we don't like change, though, as, as, as creatures, do we? We don't like letting things go. We like our little routines. We do. So how do you get people to adapt to change then? They've got to want to. And I keep going back to this. They've got to want the change. Um, and if there's some Simon Sinek stuff, which is it starts with why. And too many employees are too scared to say why and to challenge politely, not challenge as in, you know, hold them by the scruff of the neck. But why 
are we doing that? And people are far more motivated to change if they agree with the long term goals. So I'll, I'll go, go back a while um, to when we were launching um, tenant protection and the business that I was working with um, at the time. They said it's all about filling the gap because we're, we're losing some fees. It's all it's all about the commercials. It's all about the commercials. It's all about the commercials, it's all about the commercials. And people didn't want to just work for the commercials. So this is the, the let's shatter the myth. People don't just work for money. The branches and the areas that said, actually, we need to look after our tenants. They deserve to have the choice of protecting their rent. It's it's their right. We've got more tenants now than ever before. So why shouldn't they be able to buy an insurance that covers that rent being paid in exactly the same way that I have an insurance to cover my mortgage if I'm not here? Why? Why wouldn't somebody when they went down the moral compass line and the sales force understood the why? The, yeah, commercials are a big thing, but actually there's a real moral reason here why we need to do it. And yeah, you know, it, it's going to help you keep your job. I'll still be able to pay you if we look after our tenants. Because we'll be the agent of choice. They'll know we care about them. We're not just trying to sell them something. We genuinely want them to be able to pay their rent for hundreds of reasons. But one of those reasons is because we care about them. And if you want to do something because you understand the why, then the change curve is still there and you'll still get angry. You'll still deny it. You'll still go through all those standard stages. You just might do the nasty steps a bit quicker. As a leader, how do you get people to take action and implement it? Because so many people are shelf developers. They go on the training course mm. and they put their notes on the shelf and that culminates loads of dust. Whereas the ones, you know, they want to learn. They are those self developers. They're happy to take action. But how can you get, I mean, taking action, getting out of their comfort zone, just starting? How can you get people to do that as a leader? On top of the things that, that we've already talked to today, talked about today, um, accountability is really difficult to get right without it sounding like you're forcing them. So I believe in, in coaching very, very strongly that if I tell you, Stephen, I'm going to do something, I'm far more likely to do it than if you tell me. So if I tell my partner not to touch the Cadbury's chocolate in the fridge at all, because we're going on holiday soon and we're both trying to be good, don't you dare touch that Cadbury's chocolate. I can absolutely guarantee to you, yes, he was chocolate. If he says to me, I'm going to hide that Cadbury's chocolate, I don't want to eat it for a bit because we're getting ready. I think I lost you for a minute there. Did that make sense? You did. Now, all I got to Cadbury's chocolate and then that was it. And then I went ah. to get my and then I went to get my Cadbury chocolate. Because so, <laughs> I told you, you got, not to. You got Yeah, because you told me not to. And it was in my mind. I got to go and get some Cadbury chocolate. <laughs> Absolutely. If we're told we can't do something, we want to do it. If we're told we have to do something, we naturally don't want to do it. 
But if yes. we decide we're going to do something or if we decide we're not going to do it, then we're far more accountable to ourselves for that. And, and, and that's not easy as a leader to take the time to say, this is the end result we're going for. How are you going to play your part? What do you think we should do differently? Yet we're good at asking leading questions or we should be good at asking leading questions with customers. We forget we've got to port that skill and use it when we're speaking to our direct reports. So what are the leading questions that exceptional estate agents should be asking then? How do you want to do that? So you have agreed a way forward. A good leader comes to the table and asks their team how they're going to achieve something and they collaborate for a solution. Uh, a, a manager or a poor leader would come to the table and say, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it. And you know what? By asking how they're going to do it, you might learn something. You haven't got a monopoly on good ideas. 100%. I remember working at Green & Co. We had a staff suggestion scheme. So yes. every, every month, everybody had to put in whatever it was. Um, there were a five, you talked about tiny TNTs, it'd be like five pound yeah. prizes. Um, yeah. the best suggestion of the month or the quarter would win a red letter day prize. Um, yeah. And it was so amazing that the suggestions that came out. And I think that came from Asda years ago from Archie Norman. And I think yeah. Julian, I think Julian Richard brought it in um, at Richard Sounds as well. And I think we are are indeed it from Richer Sounds. So yeah, that was that was great, and that worked well. Yeah, as much as they should. Good. So a couple of final questions because I'm really grateful of your time. So thank you. So, who inspires Holly? Hello. I lost not, you. I was just about to not, message not, you. Not sure what's going on. Um, anyway, so thank you. Uh, there's a couple of final questions if you've got the time. Thank you. Yeah. So um, who inspires Holly? Hmm. My mum. Uh, she has, has worked very hard against adversity as a woman within the property industry. Um, and she she always chose her attitude regardless of what was going on or what grief I'd given her that morning trying to get me out of the house and get me organized and um, she she still she still kept going um, and still now I'll, I'll ring her um, she she inspires me um, I'm a huge bookworm a huge bookworm um, and you you mentioned um, a couple of books where I just scribbled down notes um, I enjoy sitting and and reading and learning um 
finding out new little bits of information make a big difference to me. Um, I've got a, a, a line I got from Julie Wide. Hello. Hello. As soon as I reached on my phone to message you, you miraculously reappear on the screen. Amazing. So sorry. Um, there was a line you were saying from a particular book. So we didn't catch the line in the book. Uh, was it the Julian O'Dell bit that future, future, future focus, not drama driven? Okay. Thank and you. And the what... that make the big differences to me. 100%. So you talked about a lot about books then. You talked about podcasts. Um, I know you mentioned Chimp Paradox. I know you mentioned, I think, Adrian Webster. We've mentioned Jim Collins. We've mentioned um, Simon Sinek. Uh, we mentioned Growth Mindset. Any others on your front? If you had to choose three, what would they be? It could be books or podcasts. Um, Steve Peters, The Chimp Paradox. Um, a, a absolutely 100 percent. there's one where i think i've got it in my bookcase or it's in my car which is it's the no i can't see it off the top of my head you see if i would if i'd known you had these questions i'd have had the books out ready um three how can i get down through the speed of trust but that might change next week because i get onto new ones and i get excited about other ones um so yeah speed of trust the chimp paradox and or oh, third one how can i just pick one blimey um i'm reading a book at the moment called sapiens i've been reading it for a long time i'm finding it quite a hard read but i'm finding it absolutely fascinating that what is an extravagance today is a luxury tomorrow and we've got to plan for that and how how many hours we have to be learning every year to keep ourselves ahead of the game, let alone stand still. Um, and how we've got to be ready for the, the next batch of evolution. Go back to a state agency when camera, what do you mean a camera? We're surveyors or solicitors. We don't take pictures. People go and look at houses for that. Can you imagine that now? An email? Blimey, no, no, I, I'll, put a, I'll put a stamp on it and I'll pop it in, the, in those red things we call letterboxes. We don't know. We don't. We don't have email. We we have a DX system that occasionally delivers things like our photographs. If if we take photographs, you look at how things have changed over the last 20, 30 years in our industry, and and it's continuing to change and evolve. But humans are still humans. One final question then: Where does this amazing appetite from learning and self development come from? I think being an only child. And because I couldn't ask my brothers or sisters, uh, I'm, I'm a massive, massive introvert. As, as much as I, I'll go and I'll speak to large audiences, I'll speak to small audiences. I need my space. Um, and you have to figure out a way of of evolving within your space. And that's where I have an appetite to learn, a huge appetite to learn. And and like I've said 
during this this call, Stephen. Um, the day I get to the end and I go, I did everything perfectly today. I'm going to be pretty damn miserable because it means there's that's it. I peaked. It's game over. I'm always looking for bits that I can move forward with. Um, not necessarily in terms of conquering the world. I just want to conquer my own world, let alone the bigger picture. Um, yeah, I, I find that it excites me. When I learn something new, I get excited. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you for your time. Thank you for being an amazing guest and sharing so much. Holly, if people want to get hold of you, how do they do that, please? LinkedIn. I'm Holly Marshall, um, or I have a website, which is hollyclare.co.uk. Um, and I'd be absolutely delighted to, to, to speak to people. And it's Claire, R-E or I-R-E? Holly, H-O-L-L-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E. And I'm Holly Marshall on LinkedIn, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. -L. I'm currently working, you'll see I'll come up as CV Library as I'm doing um, quite a lot of work for them at the moment. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Please like it, share it, and get other people to subscribe and get the message out there. And have a wonderful time whenever you're listening to this. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Stephen. My pleasure.